the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Thank you, sir. Good afternoon and welcome. It is the 10th day of September, and we are delighted to have you along for another edition of Lifeline. And as always, we address issues that impact your life and your world. And these days, boy, aren't all of our worlds being uh, impacted significantly. Worlds colliding in many respects. What a difference a day make, as the saying goes. And uh, boy, the difference in the last 24 hours in terms of the impact of these fires up and down the entire West Coast. It's not just California, but Oregon and Washington State as well. We've now hit a bit of a very unfortunate record. More than 3 million acres have been burned this is just since the beginning of 2020. Let's get an update for you. Christine McMurrell joins us, Public Information Officer for CAL FIRE. And Christine, it just seems as if um, the fire crews out there just can't get a bit of a break. Give us an update in terms of where the most significant challenges are right now. We know certainly there's been extreme danger and unfortunately even loss of life up in Butte County. One of the fires that I'm reading about, the Creek Fire, so far I understand has zero containment. And one report I read indicated that it could be through October before you can finally get a handle on this. Is that, is that so? Well, you know, weather and resources um, are going to impact our containment times uh, quite a bit. But the reality is is that that fire is burning in an area of very high tree mortality that we saw as a result of the drought earlier this decade and through uh, through about 2015-2016. So that that fire, we will probably have resources on that fire. Um, yeah, very well could be into October if you consider wow. um, the time it's going to take to to get that fire fully contained. And then once it's contained, we still have hot spots burning. We get crews out there to do suppression repair and um, and other other things that happen once the fire is contained. So that's uh, very likely that we could have people on that fire through October. Let's hope we get a handle on it and get it contained before then. Um, but uh, it, it's burning in a very dangerous area right now with a lot of uh, heavy fuels, a lot of dead trees. And this, of course, is exacerbated by the fact that the crews are, of course, stretched so thin and you're working in areas that are so difficult to access that even trying to get crews in there to fight is a huge challenge, not least of which is the ability to try to get in and, and dump water or fire retardant on some of these fires, and I would wonder if, if some of the cloud cover that we're dealing with and the extreme levels of smoke is hampering any of those efforts. 
Yes, um, that does sometimes happen and will happen in certain areas of a fire where we just we can't fly because of smoke or other wind patterns or just simply too dangerous of conditions from, from flame. So um, we do have aircraft on that fire, and we will hopefully, you know, get them in the air as much as possible. But like you say, um, it is steep terrain, um, hard to access, remote. So aircraft is going to be very important for us. Um, but our, our hand crews, our on-the-ground crews, uh, we're giving it everything we've got. In terms of, again, these stretched resources, um, where is the sense in terms of where you're putting the greatest concentration of attention? Uh, obviously, that would, in, in large part, I think, relate to wanting to do all that can be done to preserve both property and obviously protect life. Which of these multiple fires is kind of getting the, the most attention right now, so to speak? Yeah, well, um, the Creek Fire absolutely is, and also um, the August Complex Fire has started to, um, you know, burn together several other smaller fires. Um, it is going towards the coast, towards the towns of Covalo and Garberville. So we're looking, we're looking at that fire. We're sending a team to to manage a, a part of that fire. We're sending a team down to to the Creek Fire as well. And then, of course, we've got um, the Bear Fire, which is uh, an extension of the North Complex up in Butte County. That fire has essentially now burned from Quincy to Oroville. So that that fire made a big one two nights ago, um, did a lot of damage, and uh, we're paying a lot of attention to what's going on up there right now as well. Yep. Poor Butte County. I mean, they, they've, they've barely recovered to many degrees from the uh, Paradise Fire up there in, in 2018. And then here it is back um, for more vengeance. And, and this time, as you indicate, it just seems uh, between Tuesday night and Wednesday to literally have exploded. Is that characteristic for these kinds of fires when the, the access to fuel is so plentiful, so dry, that they can almost create their own weather in a sense, and as a result, um, r- really, really take off faster than what even would seem to the to the uninitiated as as even possible. Yes, that that is absolutely something that that does happen. We've we've seen that, uh, especially when you when you get the big uh, build up a column smoke column. Um, we definitely see those weather, weather patterns, but also, you know, um, in the, in the evening, um, the weather patterns change and you get strong winds, but that generally go a different direction than during the day. But when you combine, um, the, the shifted winds with heavy fuels and, and the flames that are creating their own winds, um, you can get a fire that moves very, very quickly. And that's, that's exactly what we saw, uh, with that on Monday night or Tuesday night, excuse me. And, um, you know, that fire moved, uh, it, it essentially burned 25 miles down a canyon, um, overnight. And we saw similar, uh, burning of fuels on the Creek fire. Um, so we had that couple of days with real warm weather, gusty winds, um, and it just, uh, you know, did a, did a number. Um, we were starting to see, that our Northern California lightning complexes that started in the middle of August, those were starting to uh, wind down, and they still are, fortunately. 
Um, and so our, our crews were getting a break and, uh, going into last weekend, we were, we were looking like things were starting to, to slow down, but we also knew that the weather was going to be really bad and we, um, knew that we were, the forecast was showing a strong fire weather pattern. So we, we staffed up and put troops where we thought we might need them and let those who really needed it stay home and rest. And now we're back at it again. Give us an update, if you can, in terms of the um, public safety power shutoff. Um, we know that there had been the cessation of power uh, to the Calistoga area over the last several days, uh, again, specifically for customers in Sonoma and parts of Napa County. Is that continuing right now, or has a little bit of the break in the weather here allowed PG&E to begin turning power back on? As far as I know, there are still some customers without power, but um, they have started to re-energize many of those areas that they did have to do that shutoff for. Um, the winds, you know, we're seeing the winds subside. Um, the Santa Ana winds down in Southern California um, were not as bad as we thought they were going to be earlier in the week. And we're, we're looking at a, at a good forecast going into this weekend as well. So, yes, so those, we don't have 100% of folks uh, back with power, but, um, but many of those areas have been re-energized. I understand that finally, uh, Christine, that there are a number of parks that are closed and will remain closed, including the Point Reyes Seashore uh, region as well. Most importantly, at this critical juncture, and, and with so many fires that you're battling aggressively in so many parts of the state, what's the most important message that you feel needs to be communicated to the residents of California? Well, we want to remind everyone that the majority of wildfires are human cause, and it takes all of us being vigilant and aware of those things that we might do to cause a wildfire. So we're encouraging everyone to go to readyforwildfire.org to see what you can do to prevent wildfires from starting, uh, the things that we do on a daily basis that we might not think could Cause fires could. Um, so we have many tips there for folks to look at. And then on that site, readyforwildfire.org, we also have tips for making an evacuation plan and what to do if you do get an evacuation order. And regardless of where you live in California, we encourage everyone to, to take a look at that site so that they know what to do to be prepared for an evacuation, to have a plan for pets and, and loved ones, and then also to know exactly what we can do, each and every one of us, to prevent wildfires. And, of course, as you point out, these fires can get out of hand as weather conditions change so quickly. And uh, people that go to bed at night and think, well, it's miles away, can't possibly affect me. And then suddenly that frightening knock comes at the door at 3 a.m. And you're told you have not even an hour, you have minutes to get out of the house. And sometimes people end up leaving with nothing more than the clothes on their back. There was an interview done with a woman here in the last 24 hours up in the Paradise area whose home had been destroyed in the fire there in 2018. And sadly, after just recently having moved back into her home, 
Now her new home has been destroyed. And so I guess the importance, as you point out, Christine, of people going to readyforwildfire.org and understanding not only our responsibility in doing all that we can to prevent forest fires, but then secondarily to be prepared in case one comes is more urgent now than ever before. Yes, it is. And um, I hope all of your listeners um, will will heed that advice and be prepared. Um, it's what we have to do as Californians. We just, at this point, um, anything could happen. Yeah, and sadly, we've seen uh, the worst-case scenarios uh, so far historically. Christine McMurrow, Public Information Officer for CAL FIRE. Christine, we appreciate you taking time to give us an update. And uh, again, our our thoughts and prayers are with you and all the firefighters that are out there uh, risking their lives in order to protect the rest of us. So thank you again so much for your time and for the hard work. One of the uh, aspects, of course, thank you. One of the aspects, of course, that we've seen in relationship to the impact of these fires has been evidenced outside of our windows in the last 24 to 48 hours, and that is the choking smoke. Even again this morning when I awoke and, and saw, well, the sky is not orange, that's encouraging, but look how low that Thule fog is, only to realize after closer inspection that it wasn't Thule fog, it's actually smoke from the fires. We'll talk a bit about air pollution and its link to higher rates of cancer, heart disease, stroke, and respiratory diseases such as asthma, and a wonderful resource available to you where you can know exactly what the air quality is in your neighborhood. We'll get to that conversation as this Thursday edition of Lifeline continues from KFAX. Right now, we get you an update on traffic at 518. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And as I mentioned before the break, air pollution, of course, has been linked to higher rates of cancer, heart disease, stroke, respiratory diseases, asthma, all of that. And if you looked out the window over the last 48 hours or so, we know that there is plenty of it here in the San Francisco Bay Area. You want an eye-opener? There is a very special online resource that we're going to tell you about. And if you go there as I did today and you look at the air quality map across the United States, you see a very disquieting trend along the West Coast and certainly in parts of the greater San Francisco Bay Area. And to tell us about that trend and about this resource, Glory Dolphin Hames joins us, CEO of IQ Air North America. And Glory, thank you so much for being with us today. Boy, your your business is more important now than certainly uh, perhaps in recent memory, given all that's been happening up and down the entire west coast of the United States. When I went to your your map today, and I, I was poking around this afternoon, and I saw numbers in the greater Bay Area of 150, 173, 192, 229, 304, I am imagining those are not very encouraging numbers. No, no, they're actually not. And first, I wanted to thank you for for having me on your show. I I think it's really an an honor to be on your show. So so thank you, thank you for having me. So these numbers well, are, are what we're seeing. Yes, absolutely. What we're seeing are some of the highest numbers um, we've ever seen for for California, for the West Coast, and 
And we know that that's all due to literally the West Coast is on fire. And, you know, what's so disquieting about this, and the part that I didn't mention to listeners, is, of course, that interactive map shows all of the United States. And you can, with great degree of accuracy, zoom in to where your cousin, your sister, your brother, mom and dad live and see what the air quality looks like in their part of the country. And certainly many parts of the United States, you see numbers in the teens and 20s, which is healthy air. And uh, there is an interactive guide at the bottom that tells you based on what color crops up, the little circle changes colors based on the air quality. And, of course, as you go along, the higher the number, the more dangerous the air quality. And, and you know, what's troubling about all of this is it's one thing to do, as we've done, Glory, here in the Bay Area over the last couple of days, open the front door, look out the window, take a deep breath, and know that we're breathing in ash and smoke, see it see the the impact of the ash on cars and things of that sort. But I think it's important to add that your your map at IQ Air North America also shows problems with air quality that you can't always see. That's right. Um, oftentimes, pollution is invisible. Uh, and that's, that's the, uh, I guess, the one unfortunate fact... Um, that we see right now, we actually see air pollution on with our own eyes, and that's usually something that we don't see. And um, so it's been harder for us to talk about air pollution in the past because uh, it's invisible uh, generally and, and people don't really complain about things that you can't see. And so this allows us to, to really truly give a, give a platform to air pollution um, in which people can can just take a look outside and say, my goodness, I, I see it with my own eyes. Yeah, I mean, theoretically, you're not supposed to see air, and when you can, uh, that's an important warning sign. But again, the, the, the broader advantage of having access to um, either the app or the desktop version of IQ Air is to know even when there are times when you may not necessarily be able to see the air, but it's unhealthy right. nevertheless. And I, I recently, I had it put it to me this way, Glory. Uh, somebody said, when you, mm-hmm. when you think about all the ash, for example, that we're seeing visible on our car windshields and the like, be mindful that that ash is a product of not just burned trees, burned houses, burned plastic, burned rubber, everything in a house that is a potential carcinogen that has been set ablaze and now put up into the air, brought by the air current, sometimes hundreds of miles away, and then deposited here. So we're not just breathing air that doesn't look very appealing, but can really potentially be a major health hazard, can't it? That's correct. There's all kinds of um, toxicants. Uh, uh, They're called... Uh, within the air, and and um, they can be at a at a level that's um, cancer causing. So we need to study this, and and of course, um, if you're seeing uh, purple air or plum air, you know that that's air that's very dangerous to breathe. That's why it's important to look and and to know um, in your particular area, hyper locally. What is your air quality before you step outside? And maybe make the choice, should I step outside or not, just due to the quality of the air there is. 
And certainly these days in the wake of COVID-19, I think we're hopefully the smart ones are all doing a better job of wearing face masks, but we typically do that around each other. Just to walk out of the house and uh, traverse 10 feet from the front door to your car may not be something where you think it calls necessarily for wearing a face mask, a particulate mask like an N95, but given the current a poor quality of air, and here in San Francisco Bay Area, my goodness, we've now broken a record. I think it's something like 16 or 18 days straight of uh, dangerous yeah. air quality because of all of these fires. Yeah. And I'm wondering, from your perspective, um, are there things that we can and should be doing, obviously wearing a face mask, limiting the amount of outdoor air that we are exposed to, but what are some of the other things that we need to keep in mind in terms of just trying to protect ourselves from this extremely unhealthy air? Uh, well, we don't want to exercise, and of course we don't want to exercise especially, so let's not go on that on that jog or not go on that walk uh, outside. But also we want to reconsider, unless we have some sort of uh, high-efficiency air filtration indoors, we probably don't even want to exercise indoors as well, as we know that with this kind of level of air quality, that the indoor air is also not going to be very good in terms of air quality as well. And so we, especially when we have asthma, when we have allergies, uh, things like that, we don't want to um, exacerbate those kinds of situations, those kinds of respiratory situations and make it worse. And I certainly can attest to that. Over the last uh, two days now, both mornings uh, today and yesterday, I've I've woken up congested, and I know it's my allergies reacting. And even though I've been careful to make sure to keep all the doors shut, no windows that are open, uh, homes breathe. Uh, there there are pockets and ways of which air can find their way into a home, and it brings with it, of course, all of that particulate matter. And so if you feel as if you're a little congested and wondering, maybe I'm coming down with a cold, well, that could be, but there's a greater chance that your body is reacting to the pollutants in the air. All right, we, we've uh, done a good job, I think, of helping people understand the dangers and why it's so important to avoid um, overexposure to the current air conditions. And we've even talked a bit about some of the dangerous numbers. Talk to us a bit about, if you would, the app and the desktop version. Where can people find it? And how do they put this tool to good use for their own health? A absolutely. So you can find the web version on iqair.com. And then with regards to the app, you just want to go into your app store or into Google Play, and you want to search for iqair, air visual. And um, it should be easy to remember because uh, you think about making the air visual, air visual, and um, that's where you can get all of the local information about your air quality. And, and, and that's so important because it's not just an overall picture of what air looks like in the United States or in California, but, but gets down to the minutia of what the air quality looks like in your particular neighborhood. So as um, yeah. Glory says, if you're thinking about going out for a walk or a jog, you might want to think, oh, let me launch the app real, first, uh, real quickly first and see what things look like out there. Um, again, I'll mention that this app is being used even at the global level um, to help organizations like the UN 
better understand what's happening in terms of air pollution and inform on global air quality in, in real time. So it's a wonderful tool. And again, if folks want to get this, they can go to the, either the, at the Apple App Store or Google Play and do, do a search for IQ Air. And then again, uh, Glory, in terms of the, the desktop version, they just simply go to IQAir.com? That's right. Yep. Well, a wonderful resource and tool and very timely, and we sure appreciate you uh, taking some time to be with us today, Glory, and, and to share this with our listeners that we can all be better equipped to understand what's going on in the air quality right now and do all that we can to protect the health of ourselves and our loved ones. IQAir.com, and again, the mobile app available through the uh, Google Play or the Apple App Store. Just do a search for IQAir, and again, you'll find the desktop version available at IQAir.com. Glory Dolphin Hames, CEO of IQAir North America, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for providing this invaluable resource at such a critical time. 5.33 on the clock. Let's get you a look at some traffic. We'll head over to the KFAX Traffic Center for that right now. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the conversation. We talked earlier in the week... You may not recall that, but we did. We talked earlier in the week about a very dangerous Senate bill that was making its way through the California State Legislature. And I suspect some of you, in hearing my conversation with uh, Pete Peterson from Pepperdine University's School of Public Policy, might have even thought you were listening to a bit of a, I don't know, a Monty Python routine, maybe a slice out of the onion perhaps not fully understanding that when we discuss the fact that the California State Legislature was discussing a bill that would effectively reduce penalties for adults who engage in pedophile behavior with minors as young as 14 years old that it wasn't a joke. He'd say, Craig, in a day and age of Me Too and all the talk about the crimes of Jeffrey Epstein, how can this be possible? Yes, indeed, how can it be possible? Clay Allen joins us now, founder and president of Avenue, a sexual restoration ministry. And Clay, you've got to be as in shock as I think many thinking people are, and certainly every parent across the state of California, that we would even suggest that we should be softening penalties, if not eliminating them, for adults who engage in, let's call it what it is, predatory behavior, pedophile behavior, against minors as young as the age of 14 years old. And the bill's author here, Senator Scott Weiner of San Francisco, is suggesting that this is necessary because we shouldn't, and I'm quoting here, punish adults for engaging in consexual sex with minors, close quote. I mean, I can see why some folks would think this is a Monty Python bit or something out of the onion. This is so far afield 
it, it, it defies the imagination. Yes, Craig, uh, a joy to be back with you. It, um, on one hand, is shocking, although my wife and I predicted this about 20, 25 years ago when uh, NAMBLA, uh, North American um, Man-Boy Love Association, attempted to do the same exact thing uh, and failed miserably. And we predicted at that point that this uh, would take place, but in reverse. See, they tried to get it so that um, adults would have the rights to do this sort of behavior. And, of course, that didn't go over very well. And so we believe that what would happen is the reversal of it, where the minor would be having their rights infringed, would be the approach that would be taken to succeed. And here it is, already passed the House, it's passed the Senate. It went uh, to uh, Governor Newsom's uh, office on the uh, 8th of this month, September 8th, that's two days ago. And um, he it's awaiting his signature. He has to do something in the next approximate um, 20 days or it becomes null and void. So uh, absent a miracle, this will become law. And it's probably, for those who are not aware of what's going on uh, with it, the most appalling and disgusting piece of legislation known to California at this point because while it's meant to uh, promote the uh, 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 minor rights, if you wish, what it's really intending to do is shield adults from having to register as sex offenders who engage in this behavior. There's a 10-year differential between age, so if you take age 14, those who are allowed to supposedly have this type of behavior are up to 24 years of age, and you continue the 10-year span, you know, 15, 25, 16, 26, et cetera. Uh, and, you know, this type of legislation always starts out this way and then gets amended many, many times so that any age range that's talked about, any type of years, always morphs into something far different, far greater than we would ever imagine. 14 becomes 12, uh, 12 then becomes 10, the 10 year differential becomes what, 15, maybe 20, 25. Why limit it at that point? And so this is literally the slaughter of the innocents, in my opinion. And uh, one has to ask, how in the world did we get here? And uh, sadly, uh, when I uh, have been following this and seeing how it's been passed through our legislature with uh, gigantic margins of voting in uh, court in the positive, my heart just ached for the young people. And... uh, 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 in all seriousness, there's two answers to that question I just asked. Uh, you know, how, you know, where, where in the world are the people of God to intervene? And I say that in all sincerity and all seriousness. Um, and I believe there's two reasons uh, for the answer to that. Uh, first, I believe our church, our men in particular in church, are in a spiritual stupor, a spiritual slumber, if you wish. I don't mean to offend anybody. But we got to get real about this, because this is not only on our doorstep, it's broken the door down, and it's forced its way into our homes. Every single child is going to be in the gun sites of people at this point. I believe much of our church, our men being in a stupor, uh, spiritual stupor, uh, has to do with the massive distraction and prolific use of pornography that's going on right now. Masturbation goes right along with that and other toxic sexual behaviors. You see, God said something very, very important to us in his word. He says, 
when we get involved with detestable sexual things, it drives him away from us. The result of that is we as individuals have no more power. We have no vision from God. We have no favor, protection, and provision. One of the things, one of the most important things we do to help men and women is we help men and women and their churches awaken from the slumber, the spiritual stupor I've been referring to, so that they can experience God's transformational healing, God's power, His vision, His favor, His protection, His provision, and most importantly, His purpose for one's life. So that's the first reason. I believe there's a second reason as to why this is happening, and that is because individual and corporate prayer life in our culture, in our churches, has significantly diminished over the past 20 years to the point where people are not literally hearing God's voice. They're not hearing His instruction, not hearing His direction. And what then happens is a rudderless church results, succumbing to culture's way of life instead of Christ's way of life. And this is totally sad, totally disheartening. And and what we try to do is we try to reverse that, of course, to help people, men and women who are struggling in these areas of relational and sexual brokenness, hear, um, first of all, learn how to pray, learn how to hear God's voice, learn how to confirm His voice, because not everything you hear is actually God's voice, and then, of course, to obey God's voice. And this, Craig, to me, is the great excitement of our life, to be able to... Well, you know, what, what's, what's problematic about all this is, is the fact, Clay, that we're, we're essentially coming along and saying that we, we want to decriminalize what oh, historically sir. heretofore has been, call it what it is, statutory rape, and we want to do so, and this is the interesting cultural double-mindedness that we find ourselves in today, where at the same time that we're presenting shock and outrage over the charges that have been levied against Jerry Epstein, and yet, Jeffrey Epstein, rather, and yet that's on one coast, and on the other coast we're saying, yeah, you know, we, we ought to allow a child as young as 14 if he or she makes the conscious choice and it's consensual. And I, I look at that and I think that that's like suggesting to a 14-year-old, hey, would you like to put on a military uniform and I'm going to give you a gun and you can go play soldier? I don't know any 14-year-old that would probably say no. They'd all love to do that. Would we in our right mind send a 14-year-old off to war because the child gave us consent because they thought it would be fun? Any no. thinking adult would hear that and say, "Well, of course not, Craig. That that's ludicrous. That that that's you're 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 talking like a man with a paper hat." And yet, effectively, that's what we're suggesting in Senate Bill 145 to send children off to war to be killed. And let me be very clear no. about something. We'll talk more about this when we come back after the break. This measure is not just one that's simply up for consideration. It has already passed through the California State Assembly and the Senate and would therefore next be off to the governor's desk for his signature. Wow. You know, you have to wonder, maybe all the wildfires here are not just because of lightning, accidental acts. You have to wonder if God's just burning the place down. I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but not by much. 
Clay Allen is with us today, founder and president of Avenue, a sexual restoration ministry. We're talking about the dangers of Senate Bill 145 that's already been passed through the California State Legislature that would essentially reduce the age of consensual sex and decriminalize, or at least reducing the penalties significantly, so that a minor as young as 14 years old, if consensual, could engage in relations with an adult. Dear God in heaven, help us. Let's take a time out. We'll get you updated on some traffic. 549, here's the latest from the KFAX Traffic Center. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. As we rejoin, let me say that you may have indeed found parts of our conversation so far to be shocking and offensive. Good. I'm glad. You should be shocked. You should be offended. Most importantly, that this is going on in our state by people that we elected to go to Sacramento to represent us. I find it difficult to believe, as liberal as California is, that the vast majority of California citizens don't find a problem with this piece of legislation. And again, I remind you, if you've got young children with an earshot, you may want to scurry them off somewhere else. This is not for prime time kind of conversation, sadly. And and if you find it reprehensible that this would be taking place on what I hope is your favorite Christian radio station, um, are you not even more offended that this is something that's already passed through the legislature and is being considered for signature into law by the governor of California? I, I mean, it, it, it demonstrates, I think, a level at which the old frog in the kettle theory is taking place. Scripture talks about having once tasted of the good things of God and of the dangers of having a seared conscience. And I'm wondering, Clay Allen with Avenue, if we're not approaching that level, that there would be enough of a majority elected representatives in two houses of the California State Legislature that would look at something like this and vote upon it favorably, thinking that this is somehow a good thing for our state. Yeah. Yeah, when you look at the numbers that are involved and who voted and what the percentages were of each the House and the Senate, it, it becomes rather appalling on a new scale. Approximately two-thirds in each uh, voted in favor of this. Of course, the Democrats have a supermajority in California right now, and uh, uh, absent a miracle, this, this law is about to be signed by the, uh, the governor. I, I really encourage everyone to start praying their, their heart out uh, about this, because what's in the gun sites is literally our children. I don't care what you do for a living. I don't care where you are in the state of California. If you have children or grandchildren, they will become in the gun sites of people who want to engage in sexual relationships with them. And, uh, you know, one of the first things, Craig, that I asked uh, about this law is how in the world does a minor have or possess legal capacity to engage in any type of sex with an adult? So I did a little research on it. Really interesting. Statutory rape is uh, 14 years and under. Between the age of 14 and 17, it's uh, supposedly not statutory rape, which is really interesting, because in our culture, a minor child doesn't possess legal capacity 
to do certain things, uh, buy alcohol or consume alcohol, uh, drugs, buy a firearm, buy or sell property. They can't enlist in the military. They can't get a driver's license for the most part, uh, you know, a 14-year-old, 15-year-old, maybe a 15-year-old and a driver's permit, but they can't vote. They can't hold elected public office. But, you know, what's really interesting about this law is when you read it, it, it attempts to create a specific legal capacity for minors. Uh, and, 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 and it's a capacity they do not possess in any of the other activities that I just mentioned. And there are many, many other activities that they are prohibited from engaging in. So what it does is it provides a specific community the right to have sex with those minors with impunity so that the adults that are in, involved in this are not punished by having to register as a sex offender. That is the goal of this, this law. It is not to promote the rights of a minor. Uh, while it does that, I suppose, in some respects, the real goal here is to, uh, to, to cause a situation where adults who have this type of behavior with minors do not have to register as a sex offender. That's the bottom line on this. Uh, most children would never think about having sexual relationships, especially the type of sexual relationships they're uh, talking about in this law. Uh, and, and so when they do not possess legal capacity, the, the question I, I keep asking is, how do you get a child to be willing? And as we've helped men uh, who have been subjected to this for 20, 25 years, we find it very interesting and very clear how this takes place. There's a grooming process that's taking place in, in young people's lives where they get coerced into this type of sex. It starts with pornography introducing the individual young person to pornography and, and then acting as if this is um, uh, not only normal, but they get rewarded by uh, viewing it, they get desensitized to it, even making it appear fun and exciting, all the while, by the way, minimizing the very serious and dangerous risks, risks involved, the, the physical STDs uh, that are, are prevalent, many of which are incurable, the emotional, psychological, relational, and spiritual scarring that takes place. All of this is, is how they start to get a minor, quote, willing uh, to, to participate in this. One other interesting thing is they, uh, they introduce them to other uh, people, other minors who are doing this type of behavior to, again, desensitize them and make it look as if it's normal. This is so atrocious, Craig. It, it, it literally is the slaughter of, of the innocents. And God has got to be very upset about this. And, and the question is, what are we going to do about this at this point? And uh, I, I and a bunch of men and women, uh, we're fired up to take a stand for God's righteousness. And uh, we would love to have others join us in this, in this uh, righteous fight. Well, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the protection of our children, the, the innocence of children, if there's even a, in, in the day and age of the internet, imaginably even such a thing still exists, um, it's at stake. And this is nothing short of government-endorsed, government-codified child abuse. Exactly. And, right. and clearly there's a major agenda, as you, as you indicate here, that it's not just decriminalization, but along with that, of course, then the, the, the capacity, the necessity, rather, to register as a sex offender, uh, that gets watered down. And, you know, I, I, I've got to wonder if the, the pornography industry doesn't have a stake in this somewhere, too, because usually where you see the exploitation 
of vulnerable individuals, be it sex trafficking or, in this case, children, that usually the pornography industry and big money is not far behind, wouldn't you say, Clay? Oh, absolutely. They're they're not only uh, far behind, but they're actually promoting most of this through uh, writing checks to their local senators and representatives and so forth. Uh, The amount of money involved here is colossal. It's absolutely colossal. Uh, We're talking billions of dollars, and uh, it it fuels this ugly cycle of uh, when uh, when a young person gets introduced to pornography and how it escalates. You know, it's really interesting, Craig, that when somebody becomes addicted to pornography, when they become compulsive, they, they want to look at more and more. What's really interesting is pornography is like no other compulsion known to man. Where every other compulsion known to man demands more, your brain on pornography not only demands more, it demands different. This is what's so profoundly in, uh, intense about pornography, is you, your brain uh, has no choice. It demands different and more. This is why you see men and women who are involved in pornography starting to cycle through what I call the cycle of brokenness very rapidly, where they want something different. They want younger and younger people. They want different things. And I don't want to get too gross here, but it does involve groups of people. That's one of the categories besides minors. It also involves animals. It involves robots, whether they're mechanical or not. I mean, it gets really intense. But that's what your brain starts to do when you're on pornography, and it does it in very quick, uh, quick uh, order, uh, t- uh, typically seconds or, or minutes are involved. So it's not a long-term process, and this is what's so devastating about pornography, especially right now where you see these free uh, subscriptions being given out with the idea that uh, you know for 30 days it's free, and on the day 31 the pornography distributors uh, reap a windfall. This is very evil, Craig. And it, it has our children in its gun sights in a big way. Yeah, that, that's that's the, that's the that's a good note to end on. That that exactly is what's happening here. That it very much has our children in its gun sights. Now, if if it's just an issue that you're struggling with, and we've maybe touched on some matters here today that that go very deep in your life, that are very secretive, and you've often wondered where can I turn to get some insight. How can I get some help? How can I break free from the chains of the influence of this? Um, Then a ministry like Avenue is there for you. You can find more information online by going to avenue.works. That's the URL extension, like, you know, .com, .org, .net, avenue.works. So that's A-V-E-N-U-E dot W-O-R-K-S. Or you can call them privately and confidentially toll-free at 877-326-7000. That's 877-326-7000. Meanwhile, I would conclude by urging you to reach out to the governor and urge the governor to veto Senate Bill 145 that we've been talking about on the program tonight. This is, this is shockingly historic and historically shocking all at the same time. Contact the governor and tell Governor Newsom to veto Senate Bill 145 for the sake of our children. And get more information online at avenue.works. Our thanks to Clay Allen, founder and president of Avenue, for joining us for that very unfortunate but necessary update. 6.04, we're late. Let's get you updated on some traffic.